o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Cake, today from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network here in the Valley, 1011 FM, 1340 AM along Highway 50, 102.1 FM. And get us online, mobile app, stream us from the website. You can do it that way as well. And that's the team1340.com. So get your picks in, by the way, for Pile Picks Can Pick Them, powered by Kistner Motors. Thank you for reminding me. I yep. need to do that. I need to do that as well. No weekly prizes right now, but uh, all the points go toward winning that uh, incredible Traeger Tailgater Grill from Fruita Co-op Country. Also, uh, one of two $500 gift cards to play it again sports in the Valley Plaza. So uh, get your picks in at the team1340.com. Once again, Pile Picks Can Pick Them, powered by Kistner Motors. So uh, get your picks in. For that, uh, Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL, but more notably now in the AFC West where the Broncos will square off Sean Payton and Denver against uh, Jim Harbaugh twice a season now that Harbaugh is the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. So all he did in San Francisco in the four years there was take them to three conference championship games and a Super Bowl. That's it. Only. That's all he did. Nothing else. And then had a falling out with ownership. Went to Michigan, where uh, he's coming off a college football national championship. So um, your thoughts about Jim Harbaugh in the AFC West, where Andy Reid, after Sunday, may or may not be the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. There's talk that Reid may retire. We'll see what happens. Andy Reid. I don't know. Andy Reid still seems like he enjoys it. Still got that itch. Yeah, I, I just think, though, with Andy Reid, if he does decide that he's done, as we've seen with the State Farm commercials, TV is clearly in Andy Reid's future. It's, it screams oh, Andy Reid on TV. Forget TV. You should just go straight into, like, acting. <laughs> I think he could totally maybe be, Maybe Manning and him get, could get something going. That'd be there pretty you good. Go. I think that'd be pretty good. Peyton and... Omaha Productions. Yeah. Where are you at? Join uh, the Manning brothers on Manning cast. They'd find something for Andy yeah. Reid to do. I think Andy Reid would, would do quite well on TV if he decides to go that route. But he also may decide that he's got Patrick Mahomes. Why would I want to quit this gig? As long as that I, guy's there. I, I got I got a chance every year to go to a Super Bowl with, with that guy quarterback in my football team. So some reaction to Jim Arbaugh coming back to the NFL, but more notably coming back or coming to the AFC West. Uh, also, Nathan McKinnon, an incredible night for Mac last night. Four goals, a natural hat trick with three consecutive goals in the second to beat uh, Washington last night, 6-2. to two. And let us not leave out Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr with uh, now the highest scoring defenseman in Avalanche history, passing Tyson Berry last night. All right, so uh, text or call on the team line, 970-242-1340. All right, uh, coming up next um, Friday out at uh, Fruto Monument High School uh, when the, the Fruto Monument uh, boys and girls basketball teams host Central. It'll be the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame. And uh, one of the folks that will be inducted, sadly, uh, unfortunately, will not be there for it. But uh, Bob Cates, uh, former Fruto Monument uh, boys basketball coach, he was a uh, assistant commissioner at Chass as well after Bob's time at Fruto Monument. Uh, Bob will be inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame. And uh, with us right now, man, they coached with him, uh, taught with him, uh, a friend of Bob Cates, uh, also took over the reins at Fruit Monument, uh, coaching the basketball team, 
uh, when Bob Cates left. Uh, Bruce Shepard joins us. Bruce, uh, thanks for coming in this morning. Appreciate the time. You're welcome, Jim. Good morning. Uh, first off, we have to, you know, we, we do this to celebrate Bob. We also do it with heavy hearts, though, with Bob, who uh, is, um, is in a coma right now, and um, his family around him, his wife, Linda, and and uh, and family around him right now um over in, in on the front range in Fort Collins but um just you know your your relationship with Bob Gates um you knew Bob you know Bob well uh just a tremendous educator coach administrator i mean a guy that was kind of a triple threat kind of guy in Bob Gates he was he came over from Fort Collins after Gary Thomas had uh, resigned the head coaching position and we didn't know much about him but he fit in right away and he was a he is a great guy and uh, I loved coaching with him for those few years that we were together I uh, always had the kids in, in mind top priority for him and um, he just did a great job and see his time at Fruto Monument um, 76 to 80 head basketball coach assisted in baseball as well uh, state basketball tournament two years won the league title two years as well coach of the year as well at Fruto Monument uh, with the Mundre brothers right Mudray, yep. Yeah, the Mudray brothers were uh, were the the stars on the on the, the court for Fruit of Monument during uh, Bob's time as the head coach, and so he had some some good talent to coach uh, during that period of time as well. Yeah, there was a uh, Gary, uh, Mike, and Tim Mudray. All three boys went through there at the same well, staggered years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bob as a coach, um, kind of take us through Bruce his approach to coaching players, the relationship that he had with with the guys that he had on the floor. Well, he had, he had an excellent relationship, uh, and it started with his practices. Uh, that's where I learned how to organize a practice, how to set it up uh, from Monday through Thursday until game night on Friday. Um, and the, the devil was in the details, and that's how I got the kids ready. Um, yeah. And you feel, what do you feel like you learned from him when you took over the job? And uh, I was going to school there when, when you were the, the varsity boys basketball coach. What do you feel like you learned from, from Bob that you kind of carried over to when you – or his successor? Well, the importance of organization, as I said, and uh, the relationship with the kids. Uh, make sure you know the kids, what their likes, what, their, what don't they like, those kind of things. And probably most importantly, um, off the court. He, he was with the kids off the court. And uh, I tried, he was a mentor to me, and I tried to emulate a lot of things that he did. Gary Thomas was a mentor to me before Bob arrived. And uh, those kind of things just stick with you. Um, Bob knew a lot about basketball. I remember once he took a basketball and he said, look, this basketball here, that little uh, valve on the basketball, that's what you people know about basketball. See this basketball? That's the entire circumference. That's what I know about basketball. So let's be a sponge. Let's learn every day. And I learn something every day. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with uh, Bruce Shepard uh, about Bob Cates. Uh, we'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Uh, also, Bob was the athletic director at Fruit of Monument too. So it was it was a a dual role coaching basketball and also being the AD. And there goes as we know, there's a, a ton of work that goes into being an athletic director. It was. Uh, he took care of all the sports programs. He treated every program uh, the same equally, uh, despite the fact he was the athletic director and the basketball coach. But he did a great job keeping all the programs together. Don Bruce Shepard about uh, Bob Cates is going to the Wildcat uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, next Friday out at uh, Fruit of Monument High School. And then, and then after that, uh, Bob took over as the district athletic director for about, what, a decade, correct? Something like that. You know, those years get by by me, but uh, something like that. Uh, you went down um, to the, we call it the head shed, 
and was there for a number of years. And he did another outstanding job down there, keeping everybody working together on the same page in the same direction as the district. And then I referenced briefly that uh, then after his time here from 1980 to 1990, uh, went to... Um, become the assistant commissioner of Chassa from uh, 1990 to 1995. He was in charge of uh, the state uh, tournaments in, in golf and basketball, baseball, also the state student council conference as well. And so it just shows Bob Kate's passion for high school athletics as a coach, as I mentioned, you know, a teacher, athletic director, both uh, school-wise and district-wise, but uh, also as a, a state administrator as well with, with Chassa and and uh, the, the all the hours it takes to organize the events I just referenced, uh, uh, Bob Cates did a sensational job with that as well, Bruce. He did. Uh, when I was the uh, boys' golf coach and later girls' golf coach, I would run into Bob at the state golf tournament every year. And Bob was there. He was on the number one tee box. He had his cup of coffee. He went around the course. He made sure things were running smoothly. Uh, but he did not only that with golf. He did it with, as you mentioned, those other things as well. Bob grew up in, in Wyoming. Um, he went to Lusk High School uh, in, in Lusk, Wyoming, and then he got a scholarship to play uh, at the University of Wyoming to play football, basketball, and baseball, which is impressive as is in the early 50s, but impressive to, to get a scholarship and all those. But he ended up uh, coming to Colorado, Colorado State, where he played basketball and baseball, uh, won a Skyline Conference uh, championship in 1995, and then played in the NCAA tournament. So uh, Bob's uh, resume well, outside of the, the years at Fertile Monument as, a, as an athlete himself. I mean, going and, and getting a, you know, three scholarships to one Division I university, you go to another one and you play two sports and you win and you go to the NCAA tournament. kind of speaks to Bob's proudness as an athlete as, as well, Bruce. It does. Bob was a good athlete. I remember when, the, when he was coaching the boys' uh, basketball, sometimes he had uh, uh, strip off the... Uh, old pants and, and head out to the floor, the, the warm-up pants, and off the floor to go, and he'd show the kids a move or two. And he still he still had it then. He still had it for a long time. Bob was chosen as a CSU Outstanding Alum in 2021 uh, over at uh, Canvas Stadium, uh, the new football stadium. They named the press uh, room after him, and he was also chosen as a CSU basketball legend. So his ties with Colorado State are uh, through and through. Um, a, a, a CSU Ram, in the case of Bob Cates, no doubt, about that. We're talking with Bruce Shepard, uh, who uh, coached with um, Bob Cates out at Fruit of Monument High School. And uh, Bob Cates will go into the, the, hall of, uh, uh, the, hall of, the, the Hall of Fame for the Wildcats coming up on uh, February 2nd uh, out at Fruit of Monument High School. Maybe some other anecdotes, Bruce, that you have about, uh, about your time with, with Bob Cates, uh, maybe on a, on a road trip or moment in the game, maybe some, uh, a story or two about, uh, about Bob Cates that uh, are, uh, are, are interesting. It kind of shows maybe the humor or the, uh, of, of a Bob Cates as a, as a basketball coach. Well, I don't know if it's a humor or not, but uh, it, it showed his not only dedication to the sport and to the kids, but uh, his intensity and his will to win uh, and drive the kids to a higher level in competition. Um, I can't remember exactly the date, but we were driving on a Continental Trailways bus. I don't know if you were on the bus or not, and uh, we were going over Red Mountain Pass, and there was uh, we came around a. Uh, it's kind of funny because I'm Linda Cates. She was a cheerleading coach, and we were sitting there on the bus, and uh, there's this little riverside slide area that, unfortunately, has taken several people's lives over the decades. And I said something about, "Look at this slide, Linda," and she said, "Really? What's this?" I said, well, this is the famous Riverside Slide. Okay, well, I got her all nervous. Why I did it, I have no idea. 
So we we continue down the road and we get up to uh, the top of the, the pass and going into the Chattanooga Valley there. And we cut the bus comes around a curve. All of a sudden in front of us, everything was white. Just white. Couldn't see anything. And you know how big that Continental Trail is front. Oh, absolutely, you? yeah. You couldn't see anything. And I'm I'm pumping on these imaginary imaginary brakes. Linda's saying, Oh no, oh what oh what? And all of a sudden we just plowed into this a snow slip had come down. And we went into it. Well, long story short, we were delayed like eight hours. We didn't tip off until 11 o'clock that night. Cool. And we finished about 1.15 in the morning. But the, the came down to the last part of the game. Bob was coaching. Coach, it's 12.30, 1 o'clock. He coached with the same in- intensity, whether it was 7.30 in the evening or 1.30 in the morning. And imagine there were probably like two people there, as spectators watching that game at, at midnight. And parents. And yeah, probably probably enough parents, probably maybe 20, 30 parents there to watch uh, that, that late night uh, basketball game down in Durango. Yep. We're talking with Bruce Shepard, uh, speaking to his friend uh, Bob Cates, uh, who will go into the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday. And um, Bob, a- away from the court or the office or whatever, uh, obviously a, a very talented athlete, uh, loved golf and things like that. Uh, just kind of give us a sense of, uh, Bob Cates, uh, the man away from from the, the workaday life and teaching and coaching and those kind of things. Well, we used to play a lot of golf together, and you could never count Bob out on the hole. He may miss the fairway to the right, and you think, oh, I've got a chance to win this hole. But Bob would smack it up next to the green. I still got a chance to win this hole. Then Bob would knock it within two feet of the hole, make the easy par. I mean, that's the kind of competitor he was. And certainly, I think when you talk about about Fruit of Monument mean, basketball with the, with the, the Madre brothers that, that played there in the 70s, going to you know state tournaments and things like that. Fruit had always it had success, but that certainly kind of set the stage for then you took over the program and then and then Denny Dearden was there for a, a year and then Denny Squibb was was my coach my senior year and we, we won the state championship in, in 83. That it kind of it kind of helped to, to build the success of that program out at Fruit of Monument. Yeah, something that... Uh... You know, you can go back even to um, a Dwayne Evans yeah. um, from the early 1970s and got the program, program going, or a um, Lowry Bishop or a Bill Silliman in the 1960s. Uh, they all took pride in the program, took pride in the kids, took pride in the school, and uh, the things they did helped promote the whole program for the betterment of the community. By the way, we don't go over Red Mountain Pass anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's go, go the long way through Monticello and... Yeah. Some of us, when we go to Durango, though, the broadcasters are still, some of us like me, still crazy enough, stupid enough, whatever you want to call it, to, to go over Red Mountain if it's not too bad. I still like to go that way. I like to get, get there and get home. But, uh, but my wife would also say, would you please get home in one piece, please? <laughs> or <laughs> Lizard Head Pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you can go Lizard Head as well. Uh, I, you know, as far as um, I'm sure you've spoke with the family and Linda a little bit, uh, Bruce, that... Uh, uh, their their hearts are obviously very heavy with with Bob and 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 his uh, state right now, but uh, but also some joy at this point in time that that Bob is getting honored uh, by Fruita Monument. Yeah, it, it's a very difficult time for for Linda and and family. I know his daughter is there, and uh, it's a it's a process that I, I I suppose all of us will face at some point in time. But Linda said uh, he's doing well. He's facing it well. Um, but uh, it's it's a sad day for all of us. But the legacy that he leaves, uh, Im- uh, it impacts a lot of kids and a lot of people. 
Absolutely. Uh, no doubt. I, you know, I, my interactions with Bob were always wonderful. Uh, uh, did not get the chance to, to play for him. He was a, a little bit uh, right there before uh, I started at Fruit of Monument, but uh, certainly uh, uh, just uh, was always a, a class gentleman and uh, just did a fantastic job, whatever it was, coaching basketball, running the athletic department at Fruit of Monument or, or the district uh, athletics and along with what he did at Chass as well. And uh, certainly our hearts, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, to Bob and, and, and Linda and, and the kids, his family, uh, with what they're going through right now with uh, with Bob's uh, uh, situation in a coma right now uh, over in Fort Collins. But, uh, Bruce, always a pleasure. What are you doing these days? I know I see you out and about occasionally. We have some, yeah. some common friends, people yep. that we know, and yep. so it's always good to see you. Well, I, we're, my wife and I, Marilyn, we're traveling a little bit, and we have a daughter in Maine, so we're headed out there in a couple of weeks. Uh, why with the snow? I don't know, but that's where we're going. And, <laughs> that's uh, where family is, where your daughter is. That makes sense. That's yeah. where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's basic. We play a little golf. Um, well, the perks of being retired. It's one of the perks of being retired. I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at this retirement thing. You like that? Okay, good. Well, uh, someday down the road, I don't know when, um, I might have to get a few lessons on it from you. Someday, why would you? 20, 30 years down the road, I might have to... Yeah. Tyler's going, he's going to be here that long? <laughs> really? Well, he's going to be here that long? We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. like two years, maybe. Hate to disappoint you, man. Going to be here a while. It's all good. Not, not going anywhere for a while. Well, I hope. God willing, the creek doesn't rise. But that's the case. Well, one uh, last one sure. last aside with, for Bob. I remember talking about lessons in life. I'm a young coach, and Bob is the veteran. And uh, he wanted to find out some information uh, on a coach on the um, situation. And so he'd go down there and talk to the coach, Bruce. So I, I meandered down the hall, and, but before I went, he said, make sure you address him as coach. Call him coach. And anytime you talk to someone who's a coach, make sure you use that before you say, hey, Coach uh, Smith or Coach Jones, say coach. So I went down there and talked to uh, Vic Kentz out of Montrose. You remember oh, yeah, that? I remember Vic, yeah. yeah. That's who it was. And so I went down and talked to coach, and it came back. That lesson was... I've learned it many, many times. Call someone coach. If they're a coach, give them that respect of what a coach does in his job right. for people in the community. Yeah, you know, we've we've had that debate in our program, and I, I I will occasionally address people by coach, but also if I know somebody well enough over sure. the years that we go on a first name basis and the job that I do. But you're right; that's it's a great way to approach it, coach, and then it's Coach Jones or whatever after you. Maybe develop a little bit of a relationship there. Some good etiquette tips yes. from you, Bruce. I appreciate that. Well, that was from Bob. Yep. And, and and from Bob as well. Uh, once again, the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame is next Friday, uh, February 2nd, at Fruto Monument uh, during the the boys and girls games with Central. And uh, just finally, uh, Fruto's having a heck of a season once again, boys and girls. Boys are 17-0 right now. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah playing pretty well. Yeah. Well, Bruce, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming in and talking about Bob. You bet. All right, uh, Bruce Shepard with us on the program today. We'll take a break, and we're going to go out uh, to the Pacific Northwest here in a moment. Uh, Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffaloes, uh, will talk buffs with us after uh, Colorado's win at Washington last night, a rare one for the Buffaloes last night uh, out in Washington. So uh, we'll talk with him about that in just a moment. Uh, text or call us today on the team line, 970-242-1340. Uh, before we do that, though, we need to play the Piles' favorite game on a Thursday, which is, of course, Yes, who is it? For your chance to win today from our good friends over at High Country Beverage, we get a case of beer from New Belgium. 
Obviously, since it's beer, you got to be over the age of 21. And if you have won within the last two weeks, please sit it out. Otherwise, text in with your guess for who is it, this person. And if you are the first correct text at 970-242-1340, you get the beer today. For who is it? I have played in the second most conference championship games in NFL history. My former teammate, Tom Brady, has the most with 14. In one particular conference title game, I missed an extra point early that had the long-term effect of forcing my team to go for two at the end of the game, only to be picked off in the end zone. Who is it? All right, so a case of New Belgium beer from High Country Beverage. Okay, keep in mind, must be 21 or older, and if you've won the last two weeks, do not play. If you don't want the beer, just don't play. Simple yeah, as that. Exactly. Keep it simple. All right, so text your answer in. First correct answer wins. 970-242-1340. It's your morning sports and more. It's the Jim Davis Show on the team. It's time to talk buffs with CU voice Mark Johnson on the Jim Davis Show on the team. And with us right now on the team line, Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffaloes, joins us. Good morning, Mark. Jim, good morning. Always good to be on with you. Always great to talk with you. And uh, before we talk about uh, a rare as hen's teeth, uh, Buffs victory in Washington, which uh, it's the adios. Let's see you maybe down the road sometime. <laughs> What's going on for the Big 12? <laughs> uh, I, 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 we do need to talk about Larry Zimmer. Uh, we've had a yep. variety of folks on. Uh, Wyatt Thompson, uh, of course, does Kansas State. Uh, Wyatt was the one that um, re- replaced Larry as the uh, sport, as the uh, athletic, excuse me, as the uh, sports director at 850 KOA during uh, that period of time when Larry was kind of dialing back things, and uh, and also uh, Brian Roth, who uh, interned for for Larry Zimmer for two years as well. Uh, of course, the voice of the CSU Rams, and and you were extremely close uh, with Larry, spending a lot of time in his final days uh, with Larry. Uh, just um, so sad to, to to hear the passing of Larry Zimmer, but uh, what an incredible career and what an incredible human being Larry Zimmer was. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, and you, you think about, you know, it's funny. Look look at the people you went down to that Larry had touched that have gone on and they're having uh, great careers themselves. And, and uh, he influenced a lot of people. And for the better part of about four decades in the state of Colorado, on a Saturday afternoon, you heard Zim's voice every single week, and for 26 of the, uh, years of those 40, you heard him on Sunday afternoons. And so there was a, a good period of time growing up in the state of Colorado where every weekend when a football game was on the air, Zim's voice was the soundtrack of it or part of it anyway, and working alongside Bob, of course, on uh, Broncos games. But, uh, yeah, uh, a, a life well lived has, has been said, and, and I certainly agree with that. I I spent a lot of time with Larry down the stretch there, if you will. Um, for the last five days when he was in the hospital, uh, I'd go up and sit and we'd talk and we'd reminisce and, and ultimately uh, I'd read him scripture and we'd pray together. And and uh, it uh, it was, you know, I look back on it, Jim, and, and certainly when you lose somebody that's close to you, that's not easy. But uh, I'll cherish those days because we had some great conversations. And, and he was lucid uh, virtually to the very end. And so we had uh, we were able to talk about a lot of things and uh, talk about my arrival there back in 2004, which at the time was not easy for him because he was basically asked to move on over and allow this young kid to come in and you know, kind of take over the play-by-play duties. And that could have been a very difficult situation. And instead of it blowing up, 
I had such great respect for him. He was so gracious in that situation. Instead of having an ugly situation, it turned out to be a beautiful situation and, and really extended his career over the 12 years and uh, taught me a great deal during that period as well. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of great memories. Uh, certainly some tears have been shed, but uh, there's been probably more smiles, I think. Absolutely. Brings back a lot, of, a lot of great memories for me as a fan of the Broncos and, and the Buffs uh, with uh, the calls that Larry had, uh, the iconic calls sure. that he's had over the years. A thing that you learned from him as a man, a thing you learned from him as a broadcaster, what are those things for you, Mark? Well, the, the one thing I've been saying about Zim is, uh, and a lot of play-by-play guys don't think this way, Larry always, and he was very proud, by the way, of uh, being a graduate of the, you know, the, the J School there, the Journalism School of Missouri. Zim always thought of himself as a, as a journalist, first and foremost. And, and if, if your listeners don't quite understand what I mean by that, he believed in telling the story. Um, a lot of times, I think it's becoming more and more common in, in you know, the, the further we go down the line, play-by-play guys always want to be part of the story. And they, they throw themselves into it in various ways. Um, you, you can see that. So there, there are some people in this business that, you know, like to uh, have a little act they do on the air and, and uh, that, that where they become part of the attraction. And Zim was always tell the story, you know, just Joe Friday. Uh, give me the facts. Tell me what's happening. The game is, is the ultimate reason that we're sitting here. And so he was a journalist at heart when he did these games. And so I watched that very early on. And then from a from personal standpoint, you know, like I was just saying, that could have been a really bad situation. And <clears throat> what it did for me, the first conversation, I'll give you a little insight, the first conversation he and I ever had, I'm out in New York. I was actually doing a, uh, the, the Toronto Blue Jays had a triple-A team in Syracuse. And in the offseason, I used to do some baseball uh, back there. And it was sitting during a rain delay. Ironically, it, uh, you know, we had a break in the action. and I got a phone call from a 303 number after I'd been agreed to the contract and agreed that I was coming to Colorado. And, and Larry and I never talked. And uh, it's, it's in. And so I had some time to sit there and talk with him. And so we had the small talk about introducing ourselves to each other, knew of each other. Uh, he was obviously legendary in Colorado. And, and you know, I'm some young kid out in the East. And uh, I finally said, well, Zim, when did you find out about the fact that I was coming out? And he said, this morning. And I, I was just taken aback. And I said, I am so sorry. I, I thought you were part of this process. I didn't know. And he said to me at the time, he said, Mark, this will never, you, you had nothing to do with it. This will never be a problem between you and me. And, and right there set the tone for the relationship between us. In turn, then, when I got to town in August of 2004, uh, the first event, major event I was at, was a pep rally at a luncheon prior to the Rocky Mountain Showdown. And as they introduced me, I'm walking up on stage, and they said, ladies and gentlemen, here's the new voice of the Buffaloes. And I was walking up the stairs. It, it just it, it sounded so inappropriate and incorrect for me. And I got up to the podium because of how Zim had set the tone. I looked at the crowd. I said, thank you. I very much appreciate the warm welcome, but I said, would you do me a favor? That man down there is the voice of the Buffaloes. I'm just the play-by-play announcer. And until he retires, uh, that's going to be the case. And so uh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll listen to all these games over the years, Jim. You know this. I'd open up the ball game. You know, we come to you from Folsom Field, the most majestic setting in college football, alongside a legendary voice of the boss, Larry Zimmer. I'm Mark Johnson. That's always the way I, uh, I showed him respect in that broadcast, and he always appreciated that. And, and so I never referred to myself in any way as the voice of the boss until after he had retired. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I did it, it felt so awkward to me because, number one, Zim wasn't sitting there next to me, and, and number two, that, that was his role. And so uh, 
that, that's just the way we kind of respected each other. And, and like I said, he's the one that set the tone from moment one uh, in a conversation on the phone. And, and, and I always cherish that. Yeah, I just, yeah, what, what a what a great way that both of you handled that very difficult situation and shows obviously your class, Mark, but also uh, Larry being will, you know willing to just say that yep. you're not the reason why this happened. Uh, I'm excited about working with you and the other things yep. are the other things that has nothing to do with you. Uh, but yeah, I just, um, yeah, like I said, so many great moments from Larry Zimmer and I, I, I appreciate the times you've uh, shared your thoughts about uh, Larry uh, when we've had conversations about him and thanks for talking about him today as well. Um, last night, uh, you got the chance to call uh, the win at Washington. Just, just the second time ever the Buffs have won at Washington and it's the, uh, the adios game to the, the Big 12 uh, where Colorado gets the win last night against the Huskies. Yeah, I was giving Tan a hard time after the game. You know, there's a great story when I was at Syracuse when uh, they played the last game in the old field house there. And John Thompson and Georgetown came and had a great rivalry. And Georgetown wins. John Thompson, which wraps up his press conference, he says, ladies and gentlemen, Manly Fieldhouse is officially closed. That <laughs> <laughs> was one of, the, one of the great moments in sports in a rivalry game. And I said, Dad, you should have dropped one of those comments. You know, even though they're not closing. Uh, the last Airlines <laughs> Arena. It's the last trip. You're going to have a moment like that. And he says, Mark, that's not what I do. And I said, I know that. But still, it would have been funny. We're closing yeah, down was, the was, joint. What's it? We're closing down the joint. Yeah, we're, we're closing down the joint. Last time. But, uh, no, it was a great ball game for Colorado. And, you know, what have we been talking about? Here, here recently when they had a couple of hiccups, you know, they were playing with a full quiver, if you will. And, and last night, everyone's back. Everyone's playing very well. Uh, Javon Hadley was unbelievable last night how well he played. Uh, Cody Williams continues just to impress. Holy cow, is he playing well, too. But uh, complete game for Colorado. Maybe could have been a little bit better on the defensive end overall. But uh, the offense was fantastic. And, you know, this team's starting to find its stride right now. And here we sit at 15, uh, 15 and 5. Uh, first team to get the six conference wins in the conference. And, and uh, th- this team's got a chance to do some special things, I think. Yeah, great at foul line last night. They missed just two free throws, 55% from the floor. It was uh, from, from a shooting standpoint, charity stripe standpoint, Mark, they were rock solid. Yeah. Well, and, and Jim, you know, this team continues to be one of the best offensive teams in America. They're, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think the top is the top 13, I think, in all three of those categories, field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, free throws. Uh, the number one of the Pac-12 and free throws go 20, was it 20, was it 24, 26, or 26, 28 last night, whatever it was. It'd be just an, an amazing performance there. They, that means they got to the line as, as well. And so when you're getting to the free throw line, that means you're being aggressive on the offensive end. The ball movement's good and you're forcing that defense to break down. And so, um, yeah, I Colorado on a, on a hundred different fronts, you know, and now you've got a great challenge. Uh, you know, you got the game coming up on uh, Saturday in Pullman, and I know the Cougars you know, rolled over Utah last night, which would really kind of shock me, to be honest. I think it was a 22-point game. And, and so if you can get a sweep this weekend, um, boy, Colorado's putting itself in an awful nice position down the stretch of the season here. Yeah, Washington with a 79-57 win uh, over Utah last night. So that was uh, an impressive win by the, the Cougars. And and right now for, for Colorado, uh, as you mentioned, uh, first team in the conference to, to six wins, and you got Arizona, Oregon, Arizona State right there uh, at the top of Colorado, and so, like you said, the the Buffs uh, going to Washington State, going to Washington State for that Saturday matchup, uh, they have themselves in a really good position right now when it comes to the the Pac-12. Like I said, all the quivers, uh, all the arrows are back in the quiver, and uh, yep. that 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 bodes well for this team uh, to hopefully go out and complete a 
uh, you know, Pacific Northwest uh, road sweep. Yeah, it'd be awful nice. And, you know, you look at the, the teams at the top of the league right now, you expected Arizona to be there. You expected Colorado to be there. Um, <clears throat> Oregon always seems to find its way up there, and they're a very solid program, obviously. Arizona State's a little bit surprising to me. I, You know, at this point, okay, so what are we, eight games, nine games in, the conference plays. So you're reaching the halfway point. Um, and this is just me wondering out loud. I wonder if Arizona might not be a little bit of an imposter there. Arizona State, I should say. Uh, a little bit of an imposter right there. So I'm not sure they hang on, but um, I think Utah is very solid. Those four teams right there, I think probably Stanford may have something to say about that, the way they're playing as physical as they play right now. But I think there's a four or five team probably group that, uh, and I'm probably missing somebody, but off the top of my head, that group I think probably is going to be have, have the battle for the, the top spot in the Pac-12. Many thought by default Arizona was just going to take it. And I like Arizona, and obviously they, they beat the snuffings out of Colorado here a few weeks ago at their place. It was a perfect storm that day. Um, and I, I, I think they've got some blemishes. That, that's not an Arizona team like we've seen in recent years where they've got that undoubted top 10 NBA draft pick and a few other things like that. I, I think they're very talented, very good, and very capable. But they do have some blemishes that, that are starting to show up a little bit for them. So I think it's going to be a heck of a race for the uh, top spot in the regular season for the title in the back 12. Yeah, Cougars right now five and four. Isaac Jones leads their uh, trio of uh, double-digit scores at almost sixteen points per game. So, like I said Washington State coming off the win against Utah, uh, yep. always tough yep. at their place. And so, uh, while Colorado's trending in the right direction, it'll not be an easy one coming up on Saturday. No, no, it's not going to be. And that also has been a place where the Buffs have had some struggles uh, over the years. It's not a difficult place to play. It's not like you're going into Oregon or or Arizona from an atmosphere standpoint. Um, but they've got a quality basketball team. And obviously they're looking for some payback as well since the Buffs, you know, swept these two Washington schools, uh, you know, back in Boulder here a few weeks ago. And so, yeah, that, that's not a great challenge. But I, I think that's going to be a very physical basketball game, I think. And, and that'll be, you know, can the Buffs kind of have a, a little bit of a gut check uh, against uh, the Cougars. So, yeah, a sweep would be awful nice. You know, there's that old, we were talking about this in the broadcast last night, that old Doug Moe line from years ago. He always used to talk about, um, was it, uh, how did he put it? Uh, road losses or, uh, yeah, road losses minus home wins. I think is how we put it or something where the, the point was you always want to have more home road wins. I beg your part, road wins versus home losses. That's what he said. So you want to have more road wins than you have home losses. And, uh, right now the buffs are undefeated at home and, uh, they got their first conference road win last night. So on the plus side of that ledger. And so that, that's kind of the goal of what the buffs are shooting for right now. Hey, Mark, I appreciate you uh, making time for us this morning. As always, thank you so much, and uh, good luck uh, on the call uh, coming up on Saturday. The Buffs at Washington State. I always appreciate it. All right, Jim. Talk to you next week. All right, take you. care. Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffaloes, uh, with some great stories about uh, Larry Zimmer. Um, really appreciated that. All right, we, we shift gears from CU basketball to Colorado Rockies baseball with uh, one of the voices of the Rockies, Jerry Schimmel. Good morning, Jerry. How are you doing? Jim, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing fine. I, my apologies. We got to do you a little bit later. Mark, we had Mark Johnson on, so we got a little, a little behind schedule. So my apologies, my friend. You know that's okay. If you got Mark Johnson there, he likes to talk like this, Jim. He's got this big deep voice, and he goes on forever. So those segments will take a little bit longer than you think they will. Uh, next time, Mark. That's a we're, solid impression, we're, we're right have there. To play that for Mark, Jerry. The next time. Mark Johnson comes on. We'll have to do that. We'll have to play that for Mark. I appreciate that. Hey, I appreciate that, guys. Hey, the Buffs, you know, they've got a good basketball team. They got a big win last night at Washington. It was wonderful. 
I did not realize that the Jerry Schimmel had Frank Caliendo or Rich Little uh, <laughs> talent here. I, I, that's an that's an incredible impersonation, Jerry. I am I'm floored with how how spot you know, on that is. You, you know what's funny is I've actually gone on a couple times on our flagship station in Denver, KOA. Uh, and people thought I was Mark Johnson uh, <laughs> a couple times over the years. So, well, the next yeah. time Mark can't come on, I'm just going to give you a call and just say, yeah. just come on and pretend yeah, to be sub- Mark Johnson next time. Now, I'll sub for him. And I'll, what I'll do is just talk like this, and I'll say great things about Jerry Schimmel the whole time I'm on there. <laughs> That's what I'll do. He's one of the finest broadcasters I've ever had a chance to work with. An incredible man. <laughs> incredible human being, incredible man. He should exactly be right. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a good friend of mine too. He's he's a he's a Buffs fan for sure. He wouldn't be my friend if he wasn't a Buffs fan. Even though he's a fine human being, got to be a Buffs fan <laughs> first. No, just like giving giving Mark some grief this morning. Uh, Todd Helton goes into the Hall of Fame, Jerry. Um, I don't know if you can do a Todd Helton as well. You can get you can take a take a crack at it if you want to. But uh, I just thrilled that uh, the Rockies get their second Hall of Famer. And uh, that's and Todd Helton certainly is a guy that deserves uh, that spot in Cooperstown. I agree with you, Jim. I, I I do agree. You know, I think a lot of people might be you know people outside of Denver are not Rockies fans. National media, East Coast, whatever that might be, might be surprised by Todd Helton. Someone probably don't even know who he is, but uh, he's deserving. And when you look at his numbers, seventeen years with the Rockies, same team, and put up those great numbers for you know five or six years, might have been the best hitter in baseball. Probably should have won an MVP one year. But you look at his numbers, and I think people for a long time thought there was that course field bias. But then when you break them down, look at his road numbers, the road numbers are better than a lot of current Hall of Famers, and now he's one of them. So I agree with you. Uh, great. I think what's lost, too, is how good he was defensively, especially late in his career. So, yeah, very deserving, and you know, Rocky's uh, nation is awfully proud this morning. And we, we had a texture that I thought made a really good point that it seems like for first baseman, it's it's almost more difficult at times to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't think the skill set defensively gets appreciated. Uh, I mean, when you talk about guys that have to pick a lot of bad balls out of the dirt, and Todd had to do that, even though they had you know incredible guys like like Troy Tulowitzki there uh, playing shortstop. But still, you have to dig a lot of bad balls out of the dirt. The job that he did playing defense for that team I don't think, I think for a lot of first basemen, especially Todd, is an underrated aspect, Jerry, of their game. Yeah, no question about that. And I think what, what really to me is interesting is when, you know, he came up, and I remember re- reading about this and hearing this, he wasn't a great first baseman. And, and he, he was the first to admit that. He said, you know, college I pitched, then I played first base, but I was always focused on hitting. I never, never really worked on my defense. It just, I just sort of took it for granted. I was always in the batting cage. I was never out there on the field taking ground balls and getting better at first. And then he got a little criticism, uh, criticism early in his career defensively, and he worked at it. Then he became not just a good first baseman, but a great one, a gold glover. I think he won three gold gloves. So the idea that he, at the end of his career and for a long time in his career, was that really good defensive player, I think stands out because he became that once he became a major leaguer. So, and that tells you a lot about Todd. He, he saw a deficiency. He was going to work at it. He was not going to just shore it up. He was going to make it a strong point. And that's what he did with his defense at first base. And I think you really have to respect that. Jerry Schimmel, one of the voices of the Cotterbury Rockies uh, with us this morning on the Team Sports Network, uh, talking about Todd Helton's induction into uh, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, Jerry, who's next? Who's the next rock you think gets in? A lot of people will probably say Nolan Arenado, possibly, maybe Troy Tulowitzki. 
Uh, I know there was a lot of us that tugs to the heartstrings. We'd love to see Andres Galarraga, the big cat, going all the way back to the, the expansion uh, phase of the Rockies that uh, could possibly get in someday. But uh, I guess just your take on, on who's next for the Rockies, at least yeah, who's the next I, candidate. Yeah, my, my thought is it's probably going to be Nolan Arenado. That's going to be a while yet because I think he's got many years ahead of mm-hmm. him and many productive years. Uh, I look at Troy Tulowitzki's numbers, and for a while – he might have been the best uh, for for a while. He was for a, a period of three or four years. He was the best shortstop in baseball, and he put up numbers early in his career which matched the best shortstops in baseball, including Alex Rodriguez. Maybe not with the home runs, but he, he certainly was up there in other categories. But then the, the, the injuries and a kind of a shortened major league career might hurt him a little bit. I think he will get on the ballot someday, but I think it's probably Nolan Arenado, and you know the, the numbers that Nolan's put up with his glove and with his bat, are just phenomenal. And I think as soon as he's done playing, he's probably right in there. But my guess, my hunch is it's probably it's probably going to be Nolan someday, It'll be the next one, next Rocky. Jerry Schimmel with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, the hot stove league hasn't exactly been real hot for the Rockies, and that's kind of what we expected that uh, uh, compared to some of the, the incredible moves that uh, teams like the Dodgers have made and others that uh, – that the Rockies have uh, have been under the radar dramatically in terms of of who they've uh, went out and and you know and how they, they, the moves that they've made this offseason, Jerry. Uh, a couple of them is uh, Dakota Hudson, starting pitcher, that was uh, with the Cardinals, and also uh, uh, catcher Jacob Stallings as well. Both those guys signing one year major league deals. Deal. So uh, Brian Servin has been with the Rockies now the last couple of years, uh, claimed by the Cubs. Uh, Alan Trejo is now. Uh, down in Albuquerque with the Isotopes, a couple guys who contributed uh, the last couple of seasons. So I guess just your uh, your thoughts about what the Rockies have done this offseason. Yeah, and you could put Cal, Cal Quantrill on that list as well. Yeah. That was an early signing by the Rockies. You know, I think this is kind of what we expected, Jim. It's going to be, like you said, under the radar. That's a good description. Um, probably low-risk, uh, uh, potentially high-reward type guys. I mean, Quantrill's been a really good pitcher. Dakota Hudson had some really good years early in his career. And, and Stallings is a gold glover, and that's what you want as your backup catcher. You want somebody who's great defensively. So I, I liked him. You know, not a big splash, and we didn't expect that. Um, I, I think that they probably aren't done with their signings yet. I think they'll probably invite a couple of relief pitchers, another arm or two, to some veterans that you'll probably recognize to spring training to see what that roster looks like. So... You know, I, I think it's probably what we thought it was going to be, and that was some, some low-key guys, and hopefully the team gets healthy. They they contribute, and, and it helps out a, a good 2024. Yeah, I think the feeling is is that with, with the young talent, with, uh, you know, with the Nolan Joneses, the Brenton Doyles, uh, with, with the young guys that they have, um, uh, Ezekiel Tovar, I mean, the, the guys that they have, that they feel like there's the young talent is going to be the thing that carries them, and, and hopefully maybe... Uh, Maybe a, a more healthy season, you know, we hope, fingers crossed, for Chris Bryant as well, that those are some of the things that, uh, that the Rockies are, are hoping uh, you know, are, are factors for them in a positive sense uh, for 2024. I agree, Jim. And I, I think the biggest thing for the Rockies is they're hoping, and you can never count on this, we know this, is to be healthier, especially with the starting rotation. I mean, there was nobody left in that rotation from the beginning of the year to the end. And you're going to get reinforcements at some point with some Tommy John surgeries, guys coming back that way. But just get healthy and just be consistent health-wise. 
I think is what the Rockies are really looking for with that rotation. I think that's number one. And secondly, what you mentioned, it is young players continuing to develop. I mean, Tobar has got a chance to be a terrific player. Nolan Jones has shown flashes of being uh, maybe an all-star type caliber player. And I'm going to tell you, Jim, I know I've talked to you about this on the air many times, but the pipeline has some really good players. I mean, there's some, there's, there's five or six major leaguers that are in the, the pipeline, either single A or probably single A and on up that, that are going to contribute someday. Maybe not right away. We'll get a glance at those guys in spring training. We'll, we'll get a, a little taste of all those, you know, five or six guys the Rockies think are going to be terrific players, including a couple pitchers. So, uh, good young players right now, but more in the system that we're going to see, maybe not this year, but down the road a little bit. And that's what the Rockies are hoping. That, that's what they have to do. They have to draft and develop, and they have to draft and develop better than they have in the past. And that's the plan, and hopefully they can execute that moving forward. Spring training next month uh, in Scottsdale. Who's the player, Jerry, you're the most interested in seeing what they do uh, when yeah. spring training starts? Who might that be that, for you? I, yeah, I think for me it's Adele Amador, the infielder. You know, I, I, he's uh, he can play third base, shortstop, or second base. I just got a feeling that there might be some competition at second base, even though you've got a former Gold Glove winner there. But I, I think that's a guy that's really, really intriguing to me. And then there's a couple there's a couple arms too that the Rockies can take a look at. A couple guys that that uh, came over in trades late last year, right before the trade deadline. You know, as you know, Jim, they traded for 11 to 12 guys. And they're all pitchers. They drafted 19 out of 20 guys in the draft were arms. So there's a couple, there are probably three or four arms that we're really intrigued by. But I think Amador, and, and I say that because and, and you look at the Rockies infield, looks like it's set all around. But this guy is really intriguing because he's got this great glove and the potential for him being a power-hitting infielder is really high. So that's probably the guy I'm, I'm most intrigued about. But always what happens in spring training is guys emerge and you get a glance at guys and you're thinking, wow, this, this guy is showing flashes. So there's going to be two or three of those guys as well that are going to intrigue everybody. And I'm looking forward to that. Jerry Schimmel with us today. And, and one final thing, Jerry, uh, we've asked a lot of our play-by-play guys uh, like Mark Johnson and Brian Roth at CSU and others about Larry Zimmer. Um, I guess I don't know what your interactions with uh, Zimmer uh, with the Nuggets and also when you were with the Rockies as well, but uh, but just uh, any any anecdote about uh, Larry Zimmer you'd like to share with us? Yeah, you know what? Larry hired me at KOA as a part-timer when I first came to Denver. I was actually doing the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I was uh, in the winter, and then I, I lived here in the summertime, and he hired me to do uh, sports reports part-time on the weekend, so I kind of kind of supplemented uh, my working with the Timberwolves, and that's where I first met Larry. And just a, a, a wonderful guy. I mean, it, I don't know if you had a chance to meet him or be around him much, but, you know, low-key, uh, had a heart of gold, always cared about his people. It was always a name, never a number. And, yeah, Larry Larry got me going in Denver on a part-time basis uh, with my first job, basically. So, um, yeah, love, love the guy. Spent a lot of time with him early in my time in Denver, and um, just uh, that that's a great loss. I, I I heard that he was on the deathbed, and so when I got the news, I wasn't surprised, but I sure feel like uh, I, I'm, I'm missing a great friend already. Absolutely. Hey, Jerry, I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, you and uh, Jack Corgan calling Rockies baseball coming up on the team. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate the time as always, my friend.
You bet, Jim. Anytime. Thank you. All right, take care. Jerry Schimmel joining us on the program today. Is there a guy in Denver that that uh, Larry Zimmer didn't have some impact in their career? That's a great question. <laughs> it seems like that's the case. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Cuckoo, loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with Cake today. Jim Harbaugh coming to the AFC West. Got some reaction to that. Broncos country taking over the Chargers. Nathan McKinnon. Is he the greatest dab of all time? Or is it Kale McCarr? Is it Joe Sackick? Because last night, Nathan McKinnon did something only Joe Sackick has ever done. That's a natural hat trick. Three consecutive goals in the second period. Four goals in total last night for uh, Nate the Great. And, I, as, and the Avalanche has uh, went over Washington. I believe I saw somewhere that said that it's the, only the second time in recent history that a player has had four goal game, multiple four goal games. The only other player to do that being the guy they faced last night, Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we don't have a winner yet, do we? No, we it? don't. Okay, so Pyle, we've had some guesses this morning. Well, let me be clear. We've had multiple guesses for the same person, and they're all wrong. Uh, and, so they, and that person is? Adam Vinatieri. Okay. So the question is, for who is it? I have played the second most conference championship games in NFL history. My former teammate, Tom Brady, has the most with 14. In one particular conference title game, I missed an extra point early that had the long-term effect of forcing my team to go for two at the end of the game, only to be picked off in the end zone. Who is it? All right, once again, must be 21 or older. If you've won the last two weeks, you can't play. And otherwise, uh, send your answer in. To win a case of New Belgium beer from High Country Beverage, send in your answer to the team line, 970-242-1340. Quickly off the text line, good morning, fellas. Congrats to Todd Helton. He definitely brought some excitement to the game, even during the bad years. And thank you guys for the interviews and bringing back the stories of former athletes who are entering the uh, local Hall of Fames. Their stories are all unique and very impressive. Congrats to all of them. Well, thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. All right, so uh, coming up next hour on the program, We'll uh, talk a little NFL. That's on the way.